When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Hour two here on The Sports Complex on a Thursday afternoon. Hour two, we're going to get into some NBA talk. Uh, We haven't covered too much NBA as we've been going mostly football, but with college football kind of wrapping up, we'll get into more college basketball uh, tomorrow too, but more NBA talk, more basketball talk. It is something I've covered for 20 years, so uh, we will get into some plenty of basketball talk. And oh, you guys want to join the conversation? You want to talk about something else? The text line is still rolling. 512-447-3776. We go with what you guys want to talk about. So if you send in topics, send in things you want to talk about, hot takes, or just uh, join in our Big Fat Poll of the Day. Big Fat Poll of the Day. Who is your least liked NFL coach of all times? We're talking about some coaches on the hot seat earlier. Uh, we're also asking who is your MVP for Texas this season. Those are the questions on the Big Fat Poll of the Day. Also going to play some sound from Hook em Up with E and Rob B here in hour two. Uh, they talked to Jerry Hamilton this morning. Had some very good intel on some new guys coming in to Texas. Uh, on the tech side, also did see... Uh, Brooks will take the Jamal Charles path. Casuals will be shocked at how he dominates the league. I don't. I, I mean, casuals maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I never know the line of casuals. Uh, but I, I look. I think Jonathan Brooks is going to have a really good NFL career uh, because we've seen him continue to progress and continue to get better and better. And I don't think he's reached his ceiling yet, even. And so, if we know that he's going to be able to reach his ceiling and continue to grow like that, uh, I, I just I foresee. Uh, Jonathan Brooks having a good career. He's got to get healthy. Uh, you may also see, depending on who drafts him and where they draft him, that he may basically not play much his, uh, his rookie season. They may push it till maybe the end of the year if they need him, bring him back, but start him on that physically unable to perform list uh, and, and give him some time to recover uh, from the injury. But knowing, well, down the line, we're going re- to introduce a really good running back uh, into the class, and whether that is a second-round pick or a third-round pick, uh, I think Jonathan Brooks could make a big impact uh, in the NFL. We know, look, and it would have been great for him to come back, but this is a running back room that is going to be floating, and and if he does come back, there is a chance somebody else goes into the portal and, and takes a chance somewhere else. Uh, but C.J. Baxter and uh, and Jaden Blue, we've seen him step up. Jaden Blue's emergence at the end of the year with with uh, Brooks going down. We saw him step up. Savion Red is still going to be on this roster. There's still some really good players. Wiseman is coming in. There's some more dogs coming in uh, that they've recruited. Tashar Choice has done a great job recruiting. He's done a great job developing in that running back room. So I'm not overly too worried about it. If you missed earlier, though, yeah, Jonathan Brooks has declared for the NFL draft. So has Byron Murphy today declared for that NFL draft. And, and in reality, if Byron Murphy is a bigger one because Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy leaving, we both knew it was going to happen. I think that's why Brooks is a little bit more. There was hope that he would come back, but... Uh, with those guys leaving, Alfred Collins is reportedly staying. However, you're going to need some help there on that defensive line. That is a a large chunk of humans. I think there's probably some restaurants down on campus that are probably pretty sad about it. 
You know, you have two guys that are making NIL money coming in there, eating you half out of food. I think down down on campus, they may be more upset than anybody else. Like the pluckers down there are probably not thrilled that those two guys are moving on. Just eat 50 wings a piece. Just just get the catering. Catering for one, please. I'll have that. Uh, So uh, hopefully we'll get the other guys up to speed. Uh, Text line's open, 512-447-3776. Let's talk a little NBA. We haven't talked much NBA recently. Uh, we did miss the uh, OG and Anubi trade, uh, which is an interesting trade. Uh, for the for the Knicks, they didn't have to give up too much. R.J. Barrett, they basically had to give up R.J. Barrett and uh, Isaiah Likely. R.J. Barrett was a guy that was kind of always in this limbo of potential-wise. You thought that he could become a better player, but you never really felt like he was ever going to be you know, a top four player on a championship team and a starting shooting guard on a championship team. You just didn't necessarily feel like that. Maybe if he could find a role off the bench, he could step into that role and be that guy. But he just never felt like R.J. Barrett was going to be that guy starting on a championship team. And so the the Knicks have to make a move on. They bring in a guy with a little bit more size. Uh, O.G. is 6'7". He can play small forward for them and kind of move up and play a little bit more defense. Really good defensive stopper. His three-point shot hasn't hit since he's gotten there, but he's been playing pretty well uh, since he's gotten to the Knicks. I like the trade. They still feel they have the assets because they did not have to give up any first-rounders in that trade. Uh, they do, still do have some guys on the bench that they feel they can throw in. Mitchell Robinson, their center, has been hurt. When he comes back, that'll be a big piece added for them as well. But I think they, they're still out there looking that they may want to make another move, maybe at a shooting guard position. Uh, if you feel Mitchell Robinson is going to be your power, your center, uh, Julius Randle's your power forward. Now OG Onanube is your uh, small forward. Of course, uh, you're going to have Brunson as your your point guard, which means you may want to try and go out there and get a shooting guard. Not one of the harder positions to go find. That's where you may go out and look uh, over in Chicago, whether it's a Zach Levine or it's a DeMar DeRozan, who may be a little bit cheaper. Uh, I know they'll be talking to the Cavs about Donovan Mitchell, if that's a guy they could bring in. But uh, I'm sure they'll be looking around, and if you can't get any of that, uh, I think Utah would be open to getting Jordan Clarkson and uh, moving him out to make some room for some picks or some players or whatever you could get out of that. So Jordan Clarkson is another guy, maybe another player off of uh, Utah. Could be somebody you pick up in that deal, but I think the the Knicks are not done trying to make a deal. But it is kind of starting the trade deadline. Uh, We're now into 2024. We're now past where you can trade players that you sign. We're now... Uh, we're basically a month, two months away from the trade deadline. Uh, but I think we're going to start seeing some teams really start pushing the, the trades and we'll see the teams. The real kicker for this trade was that the Raptors, uh, needed to kind of make a move. The Raptors are in a position where they were the seventh worst team in the NBA. Yes, there's a lottery, so you can't say they would have the seventh pick, but right now, if we're just saying they're, they're in line for the seventh pick when they make this trade. Uh, and the issue is they have traded away their number one pick. They, their their first-round pick was part of the Kawhi Leonard trade, I believe. And so the Spurs have that first-round pick. It is top six protected, though. So as of, as of the trade, the Raptors were basically going to be out of it with a – they were losing their first-round pick because it would be the best pick that the Spurs could get out of that draft. Uh, getting the seventh round pick. So I think they're going to be probably trying to be in real build mode. They may trade Siakam as well. We've heard rumors that Miami's going to be looking for somebody, whether it's Donovan Mitchell, whether it's uh, DeMar DeRozan, whether it's a Pascal Siakam. Uh, 
we could see him be, you know, they could look at him in, in Houston as well. They could look at him in a lot of different places. Dallas could definitely look at a Pascal Siakam because they want rebounding, and that's something Siakam could do, though it's another team that could be on the hunt for a guy like that. But I think the Raptors kind of want to make a few moves, see where they're at, and if they're going to go into full tank mode, go into full tank mode so they make that trade and move off of OG and Anubi. Uh, but look, good trade for the Knicks on that one, and I don't know if it's a bad trade for the Raptors. I don't. I think they probably could have gotten some more for it, uh, but they weren't able to. Uh, also noticeable, uh, last night after the Lakers lose again, they are now 3-9 and nine since winning the in-season tournament. Not a great record since winning that in-season tournament. They are now looking at uh, solutions to fix what seems to be an issue in the Lakers locker room. That's you look you you win all games in your in season tournament you get it they hang the banner which my man Jacob pointed out was clearly I think it was an NBA initiative the players didn't seem to want to do it but now it is the curse of the in season tournament banner that they hung that thing up and they have not been playing well since but there now talks that Darvin Ham is now on the hot seat because even though he won the in-season tournament, everybody thought they were doing great, that now the question is, uh, is he losing the locker room? And they apparently had a big meeting after their loss last night uh, where they shut the doors and they had it out. And then uh, as soon as it was over, LeBron James leaves and does not speak to the media. And Austin Reeves spoke after and said, of course the mood is bad. It's got to be bad if we're losing. They were asking him because they've moved Austin Reeves to the bench, which is another thing we can get into with the Spurs in just a minute. Uh, but they moved Austin Reeves to the bench, and it becomes an issue of, well, does LeBron says, well, do you want to play with Austin Reeves? He goes, of course I want to play with Austin Reeves. He's really good. But for the Lakers, they feel that their second team didn't have much room, and Austin Reeves was being campered because he couldn't do much more because he's in there with AD and LeBron who need to be the scoring powers. Uh, in that game, so they wanted to move Austin Reeves to give him some more room to score and to also uh, spur on that second team uh, when LeBron was out of the game. But this feels like, yet again, for LeBron haters, and I am definitely not a LeBron hater by any means, uh, but this feels like a LeBron hater move, uh, for a LeBron hater thing that you can really latch on to. This feels like he's doing another one of his moves of, it's not me, it's you, well, I'm not happy anymore because we're not, you know, you're not able to win when I'm not giving 100%. And if we saw why why were the Lakers so good in the in-season tournament? Why were they so good? Because LeBron wanted to be in there. LeBron was supposed to be on a what, 20 25 minute point uh, minute restriction because of his age, because of his body breaking down, and he'd go in there and he'd say, "No, I'm playing 35 minutes. I'm going to go in there and play 35 40 minutes a game so we're going to win these games." And after they get this happens, he goes, "No, I'll play the 20 25 minutes." And I want to play with all the best players when I'm playing 20, 25 minutes. And I want to, I want to have a plus minus. My plus minus needs to be 25 points. And then when I'm out, I don't care. You just guys, you need to win the game while I'm out. And the problem is, this is now that's a contagious attitude. And I don't know if LeBron had this his whole career because I think he played more minutes his whole career, so it wasn't so uh, blatant. But I think now as he gets further in his career, he feels like he should be able to take a little time back and not have to be the guy. Every single minute of every single day. And the problem is, the other superstar they picked, AD, doesn't want to be the guy either. And so you don't have the guy anymore. And the real only guy on that team is Austin Reeves, who is 
jumping for the opportunity, and he gets moved to the B team, which is not really the B team. He gets moved in the Manu Ginobili role, which is a better term for it. He gets moved into the Sixth Man of the Year award. That's the role he's trying to play. They're trying to get him some uh, some points on the bench and trying to not have it so when LeBron goes and sits down and when AD goes and sits down, this team is complete garbage, and you need Rui Achimura to put up 25 points a game to stay in games, which just isn't going to happen. But it feels like this is something where LeBron is going to try and put it on somebody else, stretch this out, let a, let anybody else take the blame of why they're not playing well, which is the reality is he just doesn't – he's not pushing. And if he's not pushing, no one else on this team is going to. They're going to follow LeBron. And as, as much as that's not an enviable position to be in if you're LeBron, that if you take one day off, the whole team takes one day off, that's you know. That's what you built. That's that's how much weight you carry in this. And in reality, the Lakers, the whole team, that the whole thing the Lakers were built was to make midseason trades. So you're we're midseason. We're getting there. We're past the end season tournament. We're getting, you know, maybe in the next month, start to make that trade. Trade off D'Angelo Russell. Trade off Cam Reddish. Trade off those other guys. Get another star player in there that wants to go do it. Go get DeMar DeRozan in there. Who wants to go play with you and who wants to go win and who wants to be a leader? Go get another guy like that. I know they keep saying they want Zach Levine because he's the future and everything else. I get it, but you're going to have to give up so much to get that. If you can for not a lot, and if you pull off one of those Lakers trades, go ahead and do it. But I think DeMar DeRozan is a guy that would fit in really well with this team to be a guy who could be a leader when Anthony Davis just wants to play basketball and doesn't want to talk. And when LeBron James understands that he has a million other things going on in his life right now and he doesn't really want to care in January, he wanted to care for the in-season tournament. He'll want to care when it gets later in the season. He definitely doesn't want to be 3-9 and nine since the postseason tournament. But if he's not going to lead the team, he can't expect the coach to do it because he doesn't allow the coach to do it. He didn't allow the coach to pull him out of games when he was in the in-season tournament. He said, I'm playing 35-40 minutes on, on minutes restriction. I'm going to keep playing. And so if you're going to say that, then you can't then on the other side say, well, now that I've decided I'm only going to play 20-25 minutes, you need to get the team in shape. I think I look. I'm a Darvin Ham fan. I think this Lakers team is not that far off. But the reality of it is, any team that LeBron is on goes as far as LeBron goes. He is the leader. He is the the heartbeat of this team. And if he wants to slow down and play 20, 25 minutes, then he needs to pick somebody else to be the leader. And I don't think he wants to do that. And I mean, if he does, it's AD, and AD don't want to do it. But asking to put Austin Reeves in the starting lineup, that that, and this goes over. The Spurs are playing tonight. They're playing the Bucks at six thirty. And there's been a lot of talk uh, about, I'll tie these in, is that there's been a lot of talk about uh, the Spurs and not playing the best lineups with Wimby and trying to move things around and Keldon Johnson getting moved down to the bench and Jeremy Sohan got moved down to the bench and Trey Jones, who you re-signed in the offseason, who everybody wants to be playing your starting point guard, he gets moved to the bench because they're trying to figure out when Wimby goes down, which Wimby Yama right now, we knew he wasn't going to be able to play a ton of minutes because he's coming into the league as a, as a rookie. And he's coming off of playing the French League. He just doesn't have the, the stamina to go for an entire 82-game season at that level, especially when we look at his frame and you realize we can't over, you know, overwork him until we get him into our gym, until we know what he's full of, uh, what he's capable of, of doing. We can't do that. So we have to take our time with, with Wembenyama. We know that. So they're trying to do that. He also has his ankle injury that he has aggravated a few times at the ankle injury. And so according to doctors, and this is probably an easy way to get rest management and, and load management on him, that he is on a minutes restriction and that he is on a can't play in back-to-backs restriction. 
That's what the doctors have said. Now they're Spurs doctors, and we know some people don't like the Spurs doctors, but that's what they've said. So Pop is putting them on those restrictions. So that means you've got to have your bench players in any team you do. And this is the problem with the Lakers. The Lakers, you know, he doesn't want to have Austin Reeves on the, coming and coming off the bench and adding in on the second unit and adding in and bringing a spark off the bench. And people don't want Trey Jones. They want your best lineup to be the five best players. And everybody wants the five best players are your starters and screw the rest of it. We'll figure it out. And the problem is it doesn't work in today's NBA. It doesn't work on an 82-game schedule. It works better when you get to the playoffs when guys are going to play 35, 40 minutes a game and your rotation shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. But when you're talking about playing 82 games in a January, it's not a feasible thing to do, and a lot of teams are going to it. And Pop was the innovator of this with Damana Ginobili, with realizing I have a guy who's really good, but we want to play inside out. We want to play with Tony Parker. Or we want to play Tony Parker getting the ball down to Tim Duncan. If I have one guy cutting, it's going to be Tony. So I'm going to be good at that. You get Manu Ginobili come off the bench, and he becomes a spark, and they can play 48 minutes of great basketball. If you look at what the Warriors could do, they could kind of rotate out those big three and Wiggins, and they ran a different rotation of bringing guys in, but when they're their best is when they had Jordan Poole and Gary Payton the second, that those guys were coming in. That was when they were really good. Or we had a Kevin Durant, and you could just rotate, and it didn't matter then. But they had guys coming off the bench, and now the Warriors are having to play shorter minutes because they're getting older, and they're not there. their team's not the same. Kaminga's stepping up, but, you know, that, that's all they've got now. Especially with Draymond still out. So teams have got to figure out a way to get players and fans to understand that you do need your bench players. You do need the plus-minus has gotten too uh, effectual now that people look at a plus-minus like it's a Bible. And I, I look, I like a plus-minus. I'll look at it on the stat guide. But uh, the plus minus isn't the the all being stat. You'll see that, and sometimes it's just a guy played forty minutes, and so he played on the good part and he played on the bad part. Sometimes a guy plays for five minutes and has nothing to do with what he came up with. But it's the reality is he came in there, and you know he just came in at a good part where somebody else shot the lights out, and his plus minus is plus thirteen. It doesn't really mean anything. It was just because, or you may come in when the other team is down. That may be an issue, but you have to have depth off the bench. Uh, and that's what the Spurs, we will see tonight if Trey Jones, reports are that Malachi Branham, Zach Collins, and Zach McDermott are all going to be out. Uh, so if, if Trey Jones could be entering this starting lineup, we could see uh, more of the top five lineup for the Spurs. They're going to be going up against a good Bucks team, though, so who knows what will be able to happen. Uh, but we'll see if this offensive lineup is good enough to go and how bad that second lineup gets beat. You need depth in the NBA, and the Lakers right now, they have some depth but they don't have leaders on that second team. That's why you put Austin Reeves in on that second team. But now they don't have a leader on the front team because LeBron don't want to be the leader. LeBron just kind of wants to take it easy for, for the month of January. And, it, of course, if LeBron wants to take it easy, your team's going to be bad. You can't have that good of a player taking it easy. And I don't blame Darvin Ham for that. You're LeBron James. There's no coach in the NBA that is going to come in and make you play hard. You are going to make you play hard. So if there is a Lakers problem – it's because when you have watched LeBron play recently, he hasn't had the spark he had in the end season tournament. He'll get it again. After All Star break, he'll be just fine. But until then, if you if you want to make a break, trade players. I would not get rid of Darvin Ham. I would not bring in yet another coach into this Lakers uh, run with LeBron James. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we'll get back to the text line five one two four four seven three seven seven six, asking you uh, who is your least favorite NFL coach. We're asking you. 
Uh, who is your MVP for the season for, for the Longhorns? Anything else you want to talk about? Any basketball you want to talk about, too, we'll get into as well. Anything else, hit us up on the text line, 512-447-3776. Got some sound from Jerry Hamilton coming up as well. Some really good stuff from me and Robbie this morning. All coming up here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 until 60, the Horn app and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex of the Horn. Back on the Sports Complex here on the Orange Talk, some NBA and LeBron. And let me restate, I'm not a LeBron hater. I'm a fan of LeBron. I've been a fan of his for a long time. But I, I, I got to call you out when you're uh, when you're trying to get another coach fired. I don't know if this is the right coach to fire. And now he means maybe not trying to get him fired. But uh, definitely trying to get his way. Trying to get his way right now. And uh, and maybe not playing it the hardest he can. All right. Uh, let's go back to the text line 512-447-3776. Uh, Texas says, doing good, man. The best thing that's happening. Appreciate you. Appreciate you texting in. Always. Hands down, my de- most disliked coach of the NFL has got to be Buddy Ryan. Between putting bounties on players' heads and the way he treated staff, players, and impressed, he's a downright trash person. And he unleashed two Ryans onto us. He, he, he spread his seed onto the NFL. <laughs> that sounded terrible. Uh, but Buddy Ryan is uh, also the father of uh, Rex Ryan and Rob Ryan, uh, which... You know, you may you may not like them either, but yeah, Buddy Ryan's definitely going to be on that list. Uh, you know, and, and look, I get he was an, he was part of the Oilers too, but in part of those Oilers, where there's may not be a ton of fans of them. Uh, Texture says, uh, "Nice piece, totally agree with you on LeBron. Appreciate that. Appreciate you texting in." Uh, Texture says, "Buddy Ryan works for me, dirt bag." Yeah, a lot of not a lot of love for Buddy Ryan out there. Not a lot of love for Buddy Ryan on the text line. I, and I'm not. I don't think you guys are wrong. I thought Jeff Fisher may be a little bit more on that list. Just solely some Texas fans just really just let it out that Jeff Fisher ruined Vince Young's career. But I, I, I'm over with you. I think Buddy Ryan may be on that list. He's definitely on the list. Let's put it that way. But he may be a top it. He may be a top it. Chan says worst NFL coach Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. He wasn't a leader. He was a bully. Luckily, the players didn't stomp a hole in him. Uh, Chan, <laughs> I appreciate you, Chan. That is, uh, yeah, Urban Meyer was definitely, because Urban Meyer falls in that like one year coach. Buddy Ryan was in the hate you hated. You hated Buddy Ryan because he was just, he kept getting jobs and he kept doing shady things. But uh, yeah, Urban Meyer, everybody just hates him because he came in and then looked around the room like, am I right? And everybody goes, no, you weren't right. You're the problem, buddy. Or sorry, Urban, you're the problem. No, kickers are the worst, aren't they? Yeah, we agree in fantasy football, but they're people. They're people, Urban. I want to play some sound from Hook Em Up with Ian Robbie this morning. They talked uh, to Jerry Hamilton, uh, super recruiting expert. Uh, he was watching the big all-star games from high school football, the Under Armour game uh, yesterday. A lot of Texas players, I believe Texas had seven recruits that were in that game. Uh, so a lot of good stuff coming out of that. 
and uh, gives you some updates on that, on Texas, and everything else. Always good to hear from him, and it's a good update to keep up with Jerry Hamilton. Uh, so we're going to play a little uh, recap here from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie right here on the Sports Complex. Jerry Hamilton, go to the Vaqueros hotline. He is uh, uh, the best in the business, the senior national recruiting analyst for On3 Sports, talking college football and the recruiting season with G-Man. What's up, Jerry? Happy New Year, bud. Hey, Jerry. Happy New Year to you guys, man. Hey, let's start with this. I want to get to the All-Star Games and uh, some recruiting news, but just your general take on what went on on Saturday, on Monday night in New Orleans. Michael Penix played a heck of a game. Uh, Washington was the better team. Texas still had a chance to win the game. What were your, what were your takeaways from the Longhorn 37-31 loss? Yeah, I just I, Texas didn't play a clean game, right? I mean, at all. I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, look, and, and I know there's some, you know, some – reports out, you know, PFF, whatever, about pressures Texas got. It's kind of – that's kind of a, a worthless stat for me. If you don't if you don't hit a quarterback, if you can't get him disrupted, it, that, those stats are somewhat meaningless. Texas did not get him to the ground. They did not disrupt his rhythm, uh, his timing with his wide receivers. Uh, but, you know, Texas didn't play a clean game. I mean, I, I would – I'm Sark said it at the press conference. I'm sure every coach would say it, but uh, – you know, they did not play their best game, not taking anything away from Washington. But I will make a prediction. I think Michigan's going to thump Washington. I'll go 31-13. I think people are going to uh, – I think the one – I'm sure Rod's talked about it, but there were some bad signs for Washington in that game when they're looking at playing Michigan. Uh, Michigan's going to run it down their throat, and they're going to get more pressure on Penix. It's not going to have the same timing, and I think Michigan's going to win the national title comfortably. There you go. Uh, Jerry Hamilton uh, from On3 Sports, 31-13. Bad matchup is what he's saying. Yeah. Bad matchup. Well, and, and we felt like, and Rod said it for a month, that uh, you know the Texas, Texas would have been better off playing Michigan or Alabama in game one uh, if they could have found that way but to play for a national championship because of Michael Penix and the number one passing offense uh, and the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line uh, attacking the Texas weakness, which is – uh, their pass defense and and their secondary, which you Jerry, you've talked about it a lot with us and uh, on on three sports about the Longhorns recruiting, uh, you know, trying to bring in more coverage in the back end. They two five stars in this recruiting class with Kobe Black and Xavier Filsimi. Uh Pick that up right there in these All Star games. The Longhorns have eleven of their twenty twenty four prospects playing in these All Star games. Uh, what have we learned, or if anything, from 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 those guys playing in Orlando and and that are going to play down in San Antonio on Saturday? Yeah, I think the uh, the main thing there is, you know, George Oscar Bell showed his instincts uh, in the game. You know, the interesting thing about all-star game settings, right, is if, if you're an instinctive player, you're going to show up more in the game and maybe the practices. Uh, if you're one of the elite athletes at the skill position, you're going to show up in these practices, right? That's what they're made for. And then the one-on-ones, OLDL, right, which are obviously, those are always advantage defensive lines <laughs> because it's only pass pro. Uh, in the one-on-one setting, but I think Texas, look, I talked to the offensive line coach, uh, the Daniel Cruz's offensive line coach there in Orlando for the Under Armour game. They were uh, very high on Daniel Cruz, his intellect at the position, along with his size and just uh, uh, his knowing that was his first year playing center. I think he's done very well. Uh, Colin Simmons had a high ankle sprain, which he played with in the playoffs. So credit to him. He went down to Orlando. The trainer for the game looked at his ankle and said, yeah, he doesn't need to play. He needs to shut it down. So Colin did not practice or play in the Under Armour game, which is probably a good thing for Texas, right? I mean, uh, get that thing healed up. You're reporting January 13th, about a week away. Um, but Xavier Filsame, uh, Filsame, a tremendous athlete, great build. 
Uh, I thought one of my takeaways from being down in Orlando, Kobe Black is 6'1 and a half, 6'2, 195, 200 pounds. He has very little muscle definition. So you sit there after seeing him in person, you're wondering how big is he actually going to get? Is he going to be a kid that's – I think Texas is going to have to work to keep him under 210, 215 pounds. He is going to be a big kid considering he's a multi-sport guy at a smaller school, and he he doesn't have a lot – I, I call him kind of a Florida high school kid because he's played at smaller school. He doesn't have – and he's played multiple sports. He doesn't have that – that advanced physical look like some other kids in Texas do or in Georgia where they have those athletic periods at those bigger schools year-round. Um, these smaller school uh, multi-sport guys, tend to, they tend to, I guess, progress later, and Kobe Black's going to be one of those guys. Zeno Mazzulu showed very well. His length is gonna, gives him a chance along with his frame. I mean, he's a guy that's going to be 6'5", 255, 260 pounds. Uh, with an 82, 83 inch wingspan, but showed good quickness, um, good understanding, taking coaching uh, down there. Uh, Jarrett Gibson, great build for running back guys. I mean, you know, five, nine and a half, five, ten, two hundred and ten pounds. Uh, Bill, and I'm not saying he's the same player. He's not as vertical fast as Blake Corm, but with Texas fans who've watched Blake Corm, it's the exact same build. I mean, Corm I think is an inch shorter, five, eight and a half. But they have the same build as a running back, same body structure. Uh, so Jarrett Gibson uh, looks great physically. Uh, so I think, you know, look, I think those guys showed well. Uh, all of them belong. Nobody was out of place. Obviously, the Adidas game is, is coming up here on Saturday. But there's been some some clips of Ryan Wingo out there, which to me, the big news for Ryan Wingo is coming off a knee injury that kept him out the majority of a senior season. He's moving really well. Looks good. Trey Owens, a late addition. Ty Anthony Smith, a late addition to the Adidas game. Trey Owens had a good week of practice. Obviously, he's well-prepared uh, for an event like this. Uh, he's been working with his quarterback, JP, uh, Coach J.P. Tillman, since the end of the season as well. Uh, Ty Anthony Smith and the punter, Ryan Kern, um, also in the game. So, yeah, Texas well-represented that number three-ranked recruiting class, and now we'll see You know what's left for Texas. Uh, one of the guys at the Under Armour game, uh, that I need to mention was Ryan Williams, uh, he, the, the receiver from Saraland, the five-star committed to Alabama. He reclassified to 2024, so he came down to the Under Armour game, played in the Under Armour game, and it was announced by uh, Chad Simmons at On3 that his official visit schedule this month is Alabama on the 20th, Texas January 27th, and Auburn February 3rd. I still think Alabama is the favorite right now headed into those visits, uh, but Texas is one of the final three. They get them on campus January 27th for an official visit. If Texas pulled off the shocker there, look, Texas is looking at the number two, possibly the number two recruiting class, outside shot at one probably now. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Jerry, what are your thoughts about Alfred Collins' decision to come back uh, to school um, do you think that uh, he is looking to be the uh, the next breakout star on that defensive front for Texas? I think he's got – look, I think it's a good decision by him. Uh, he could have got drafted. He would have gone and tested well, right? He would have got drafted. Um, he has a career playing football because the NFL will look at him and say, this is what we can get out of him that, that has a, that's, that's still there. Um, I think it's smart of him to come back. Um, because he needs to be a consistent player, not just a consistent player on the field, but a guy that's actually making plays. Um, and, and he's been one of the enigmas for me in the Texas program because his talent is that of a high draft pick, 
his performance has not consistently been there. His playmaking, he shows some flashes, but he's still more flashes than what he needs to be as far as a consistent player. Um, I think he's got an unbelievable upside, uh, but it's getting a little late for him to achieve that upside. So this is going to be his opportunity to go from a late-round draft pick to a guy that teams look at and say, okay, can, should we take him in a third or fourth round? I mean, his ability is high. Now, he's a, he is a second-round level talent. I mean, his length, his, his burst, uh, he's going to test well, his frame. I mean, he's got everything there, but he, the consistency has always escaped him. He needs to show that he is very serious about football and wants to be a big-time player. If he does that, he'll have a really good season for Texas. He is Jerry Hamilton, the senior national recruiting analyst at On3 Sports. Find him on uh, the X platform at Hamilton underscore On3, the number three, by the way. Uh, Jerry, Bo Davis is a, a name that's out there. Uh, Brian Kelly over at LSU is rebuilding his defensive staff after a miserable year on that side of the ball in, in Baton Rouge. Um, you know, what, what are you hearing on who the defensive coordinator choice might be when they're trying to upgrade that spot? And what about Bo Davis? There's reports out there that uh, maybe LSU would make an offer to their uh, alumnus, Bo Davis, and try to bring him back. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on both of those things? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting how it plays out for LSU with Bob, uh, with uh, Brian Kelly. He, to me, he's not the guy that hires the position coaches before the D.C. Um, I think by him blowing out the entire defensive staff uh, yesterday he probably has a pretty good idea you know it's interesting it'll be interesting to see Bob Diaco his former DC at Notre Dame is an analyst there at LSU does he go that direction with someone that's familiar does he go outside it I don't think anybody really knows yet Um, I'll say this LSU should make a run at Bo Davis Um, I've heard Bo Davis Corey Raymond as DB coach possibly but we'll see who that D coordinator is and I'm not saying Bo's going to take the job but they should make a run heck Nick Saban's uh, made a run at him. Billy Napier, when he was hired at Florida, made a run at Bo Davis. They should make a run at Bo Davis. I mean, these guys, if they're really good coaches, they should want him as their defensive line coach. I mean, he's one of the top handful in the country. He also makes a million dollars a year and has a big buyout. So, um, you know, how does that factor in? And then there's the fact that, you know, he's about to get a raise from Texas. I mean, he was he's won some defensive line coach of the year awards. Um, obviously, his family's in the Kingwood area. Um, but he is a he is a LSU alumnus, uh, as you said, and LSU should make a run at him. If you're Sarkeesian, you want guys on the staff like Jeff Chohar at Nevada. You want guys that other people want. If you don't, then you kind of scratch your head, right? I mean, Bo Davis is one of the elite line coaches in the country. Uh, many many SEC programs have come after him. They'll continue to come after him. Uh, but I think Texas, you know, look, I don't think it comes down to money with Bo Davis, uh, but he'll get a raise from Texas this year. Uh, but I think, it, you know, eventually it'll come down to, you know, who's who's LSU's defensive coordinator? What's all that fit for all the guys all, all, that would be on that staff? I think that's so important because Bo has a good fit. He's in a good place at Texas right now. Um, uh, obviously, he's got some really good players coming in. Um, and he's had great success, and obviously he's been at Texas once before, and his family lives uh, in the Houston area, north of Houston and Kingwood. So we'll see what happens, but LSU should come after Hey, Jerry, what are you hearing, if anything, about the uh, linebacker position coach uh, for Texas and who they are interested in, who are the type candidates for, for the spot, or they, have they already zeroed in uh, on their guy? Yeah, I think, I think that'll be interesting. I think something will uh, – 
uh, come out here in the next few days on that. I mean, you know, the, the two names you hear, Johnny, uh, John Nansen at Arizona, who's the D.C., and Ken Norton uh, at UCLA. I mean, obviously familiarity with both with Sarkeesian. I think that's kind of important. Um, so we'll see. I think uh, Nansen at Arizona is probably the first pick. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I mean, there's some things. There, I think there's going to be a couple of things here happen in the uh, in the coaching carousel late here. Well, you know, what happens if Harbaugh goes to the NFL? Somebody's got to get Michigan. Who is that, Kalen DeBoer? I mean, I, well, I guess we'll find out, right? I mean, is Kalen DeBoer going to pass up Michigan to stay at Washington? I would say he would not. Um, so then what happens? Does Jed Fish end up at Washington? I mean, so there are some things going on here late if Harbaugh leaves for the NFL, uh, which I think many people expect, that are going to kind of shake up this coaching carousel. Then if Arizona has an opening, what do they do? I mean, so it's going to be interesting to see. But to answer your question, I think Nansen – at Arizona, D.C., um, and then Ken Norton at UCLA are the two names you've heard the most. That's interesting because uh, during the week I was in New Orleans, uh, Jerry, I heard the name. If, if, if the, 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 the big conversation there was that if, uh, if Jim Harbaugh does jump to the Bears or somebody in the NFL, that, that uh, Brian Kelly at LSU would be the top choice of the Wolverines. If they try wow. to poach him back and bring him and um, you know, take over Michigan, that, that, that would be crazy to think what that would do to the dominoes in, in, uh, exactly. in the coaching carousel. Exactly. There's that yeah. as well, right? Because right now Brian Kelly has no OC or DC at LSU. I think his – I would suspect, and I've heard that, I'd heard that as well three weeks ago, I would suspect if Harbaugh makes that jump to the NFL, that either Kalen DeBoer or Brian Kelly is your next coach at Michigan. Wow, what a shakeup that would be. Uh, last thing, Jerry, on the way out, any thought for the Aggie fans out there how uh, Mike Elko has done building his, uh, his coaching staff there? We know, um, you know Colin Klein on the offensive side of the ball. What, do you, what, do you, what kind of grade do you put on what Mike Elko has done for his first staff with the Aggies? Yeah, I think he's, I think he's, he's done a good job. Look, I, you know, Trooper Taylor, Holman Wiggins, SEC recruiters, years of SEC experience, also recruiting in Texas, right? Um, I, I think those are good hires uh, for Texas A&M. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not saying great hires. I think good hires for them, solid hires. I think he's done a really good job putting this staff together, as you'd expect. I, I'm very interested here coming up. So I, one of the next things is the junior days, right, for the juniors in the, around the state of Texas and the country. Those are all coming up in a matter of Texas has their first one January 20th. I think A&M's first one is January 21st. So it's going to be interesting to see some of these names that start jumping up and saying they're attending the uh, junior days around uh, around Texas, Texas A&M here late January. But I think he's done a good job with the staff. I think he's got guys who are going to be able to sit in those battles in the state of Texas and in the SEC region uh, and, and, go to, and go to battle for Texas A&M. I think he's built a really good staff. I think it's going to be interesting. I don't know what Rod's thoughts are, but – to see where A&M goes offensively under Colin Klein. Is it going to be similar to Kansas State? Is it going to be much more different? I would think it has to be much different in the SEC. I don't, I don't see that transition being the same, uh, What they were, the scheme at Kansas State versus what they're going to do at A&M. Yeah, Jerry. I totally agree with you on that, Jerry. Yeah. Um, okay, I should ask you this, Jerry, just real quick. Why haven't we sure. heard Quinn Ewers' announcement yet? Like, what is he waiting on? That's a great question. Probably Pete Thamel's schedule to slow down, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the best I can come up with, right? I mean, I, I do think it'll be – I, I haven't heard anything different than uh, uh, that Quinn's still uh, leaning uh, to coming back uh, to Texas for another year. 
Uh, nothing's changed on my end. I actually talked to somebody earlier this week, and no, literally nothing's changed on that. But I don't have the answer as to why. <laughs> that was a good answer, though. I like that. Yeah, my thought is they're going to go day by day. Each, each player gets his day, right? It was X-Man on Tuesday, Alfred Collins yeah. yesterday, more to come. We'll yeah. see. It'll probably be A.D. Mitchell or somebody today. It's a social media strategy going <laughs> yeah, that's on. Right, that's right. Yeah. Don't, don't want to over, overshine anybody else. Hey, Jerry, thanks, man. Great, great to hear you. We'll check in when we can again here soon with so much going on. Uh, great insights as always, and happy New Year. Thanks, Jerry. You got it. Happy New Year, guys. All right, there you go. There, that's all the intel you need. Good stuff there from Jerry Hamilton, always uh, keeping us up to date. Uh, did you see a text? I'm I, to a tweet. I'm going to verify that it's from the right person before I say it out. We'll fa- hit the rest of your text, wrap things up here on the Sports Complex. When we come back uh, on the Horn 1019 until 60, the Horn app at hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on the Horn. All right, we got to get out of here. Did you see the news? Apparently, Ohio State has found their next quarterback in Will Howard. Did not think we we're going to see Will Howard from K-State to Ohio State. Didn't see that one coming, but apparently that's what's happening. I don't know. Maybe Ohio State's going to get another one. They'll run a two-quarterback system. Who knows? But Will Howard to Ohio State. He's committed to Ohio State. That is, uh, was not expecting that one. Uh, did, uh, Chan also says, uh, wifey is cooking with Cupie. Uh, mayonnaise. Oh dear, my lips are sealed. Don't want to be in their doghouse. Don't get the doghouse, Jan. Just throw it under the table for the dog. That's all you got to do. We got to get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow with more. Until then, be kind, be safe, keep your underwear clean. We'll see you right back here on the Sports Complex.